Welcome back to the Down to Earth podcast. Have you ever wondered about the healing power of crystals or the meaning behind an interesting dream you may have had? A sign that a loved one who may have passed is showing you? The signs that the universe may be showing you to guide you on your path? Our guest today will be able to answer all of these questions and many more. We're so excited to have Karen Fraser join us today. Karen is a Reiki healer, medium, psychic, crystal expert, counselor, and author of multiple amazing books, including Crystals for Healing. Karen has a fascinating story that she's going to share with us, as well as insight into crystal healing, the hidden messages in our dreams, what signs to look out for from the universe and from those who may have passed, and how to find your life purpose by surrendering and keeping an open mind. This is an episode you don't want to miss. Here we go. Welcome to the Down to Earth Podcast. We're your hosts, sibling duo, Jonathan and Lorena. In this podcast, we'll be spilling the tea on all things health and wellness related. This podcast is designed to motivate you to take care of your physical, mental, and spiritual health. We'll be bringing on doctors, healers, fitness experts, business leaders, and innovators. Thanks for joining us in our mission of making the world a healthier, happier, and a more down-to-earth place. Here we go. Hello. Hey, Karen. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Thank you for joining us. Hi, Karen. Hi. I like your photo. Are you a big wine drinker? I am a wine editor in my real life. Very cool. Yeah. This is actually my work Zoom. I tried to log out and log back into my personal Zoom, but apparently it didn't happen. Well, you're going to have to share some good wine recommendations with us as well. Oh, well, you know, I would be (laughs) happy to do that. That would be great. But thank you so much for joining us. It's actually a really amazing story. A close friend of mine, Carrie, she was at Miraval and she bought me your book because she knows how much my family and I love crystals. And I started reading your book and I immediately thought we need to have Karen on our podcast. You seem to be a wealth of knowledge about really important topics. So I'm excited for our conversation. Yeah, me too. Wonderful. Well, I'd love to get started by learning a little bit more about your background because I mean, there's so many wonderful lines of work that you're involved in. So I'd love to know how you came to all these wonderful things. Well, so I actually have always been a little bit of a woo-woo kid when I was a kid. I was, I, I had imaginary friends. I knew things, I saw things and I was a huge rock fanatic and I was also a musician. So that sounds like a whole diverse group of things, but it all comes together. And so I would go out and just pick up rocks. I would see a rock. I would love it. I would bring it home. I had a box of rocks in the basement because that's where my mom would let me keep them. And I just added to it throughout my childhood. And that was really kind of the beginning of my love for crystals and anything geology related, right? And and all of that stuff. As a musician, I have been a musician since I was six years old. I play several musical instruments. And so I did that. I went to college to be a music teacher, got to my first classroom experience and thought, oh my God, I don't want to do this. Not because of the kids. The kids were wonderful. It was the parents and the administration. I just thought I'm not going to do this for the rest of my life. And so I sort of set my music dreams aside 
And also my imaginary friends and things, what I realized many years later was that was psychic abilities that I had even when I was very young that I really denied and didn't do anything about for many, many years because my skeptical brain said, oh, this stuff doesn't work. And I'd love to dive deep into that because I know that you have psychic abilities and you're a medium as well. So I'd love to to dive into that and sort of learn the early experiences that you had that made you realize that you have these abilities. But even before we get there, you said something really interesting that as a kid, you would, you know, pick up rocks, right? You felt like this desire to pick up rocks. And I find even now at my age, like sometimes I'll see a leaf and I like connect with it and I pick it up and I bring it home. And some of my friends think that I'm crazy for doing that. And I can't explain like what draws me to certain things, but what do you think that means? Like if somebody is walking on the beach, let's say, and they see like a seashell or a pebble that they, they feel drawn to, is there a hidden meaning in that? And is that something that they should act on and actually take with them? Well, I think it's the energy, right? You're drawn to the energy of the object. And so, for instance, you used a seashell. So if you see a seashell and you're you're drawn to that and you want to pick it up and bring it home, first making sure there's not a creature using it as home, of course, then what that could indicate is that that you could be a water sign or you could have a lot of water in your astrological chart or you could need um more kind of you more connect more with the watery nature of things which is emotional water represents emotions it could just be that it's pretty and you like it aesthetically right for me with the rocks i know it was the energy of the rocks and it sounds like for you when you're asked when you're talking about leaves and things that you see and bring home um, were you a kid who always had pockets full of stuff like your mother would clean out your pockets when you're a little kid? Yeah. And it's interesting because I did as a kid, but I find like even more so yeah. now, right? Yeah. Like, I love nature. I am a water sign. So like whenever I'm on the beach, I'm definitely drawn to a lot of things there as well. But um, I can't explain it. I mean, look, I feel like a lot of people don't realize that all of these objects, they have life, right? They have energy. Yes. You know, they have this frequency that does draw certain people to them. So there's definitely meaning behind it. Yes. And I would even argue that they have consciousness. Interesting. So I believe that every natural object and probably every object, because everything is ultimately made of some kind of natural materials, right? That's the building blocks for things. And the natural materials are made from energy and the energy is the building blocks of materials. And so energy itself is, is consciousness and consciousness is energy. Therefore, if everything is made from energy as it's building blocks and everything has some level of consciousness. And so when you're drawn to someone or something, or in my case, often animals, I love animals. I have deer that visit my backyard and I feel like I have pet deer. There's like five of them. And all of those things, I believe that you're drawn to the consciousness that you see the energy and recognize it as one with you. I think that's really interesting. And I think that also puts into perspective the fact that, you know, we really need to have respect for all objects, which I mean, I personally always do, right? Like even a rock or mm-hmm. a leaf or a plant. I think that when you you look at it through this lens of every object having consciousness, it reminds us that we really have to be more mindful and, and pay respect to all these objects that we're surrounded by. Yes. And every object is a gift from the planet to us, the planet Earth. And I also believe that our planet has consciousness. I've heard a lot of people call it Gaia. And as a matter of fact, that's what I call it. I believe that that is the name of the consciousness that is Earth and respect for the gifts that Earth gives us, uh, that Gaia gives us is also part of that. 
I totally agree. And I think that that's a really important topic and we need to uh, sort of broaden our horizons and, and realize the fact that there are things behind what the eye sees, right? I mean, it's not mm -hmm. just what we physically see. Everything has a frequency. I think they say that people's energy extends like three feet in each direction beyond them. Is that correct? It probably extends beyond that. So the human aura, there are seven layers of the aura and they extend very close to your body and they roughly align with the chakra system. The first layer closest to your body would align with the root chakra, which is the very physical you in your body, right? The next layer is going to kind of align with the sacral chakra. And as they move out, they become more and more celestial and esoteric. And so I would argue that your aura extends, since there is no time and space, and we are all one thing, we are all one, we're all consciousness and source energy created into various forms, that our energy extends infinite. Wow. And so my energy crosses yours and yours crosses mine. And that's just the way it is. And there is, there are some physics that, that back this up, um, unified field theory and all sorts of studies of, of consciousness and things like that, that, that science is moving in that direction, but they have to do math to get there. So <laughs> I'm not a big math person. <laughs> so when we talk about like consciousness and frequencies and energy, when someone, let's say it can be someone close to you or just some, an acquaintance and you feel like they're negative energy, for example, mm -hmm. how would you explain that? And are there ways that we can kind of protect our energies or, or our auras from that? Sure. So, I mean, there are a lot of people who are definitely not expressing as the highest version of themselves that they could be, right? Um, including me many days, uh, or if I haven't had caffeine in the morning or things like that. And so we all at times don't express as the highest version of ourselves that we can be. And there are some people who really have things that happen in their lives, or they have even emotional or emotional disorders, mental disorders, things like that, that can, or even physical disorders, illness that can lower vibration. And so what you're actually feeling is that that lowered vibration. There are also people who have persistent patterns of negative thoughts, negative speech, negative actions, right? And that's a heavier energy than positive thoughts, positive speech, positive action, expressing love. And so what you feel is you feel the vibration of, of what their human self is putting out in the world, not their, their source self, because at their purest form, they are the same as you and me and all of the ascended masters that have walked the earth and all of the angels and, and everything else. So they are in a space in their lives where their thoughts and their words and their actions and even their beliefs are causing this lowered vibration. And sometimes I say it can be through because of choices they make. And sometimes it can be because of illnesses or what I call dis-ease in your body and energetic system. Very interesting. And for somebody who might be the kind of person who skews a little bit more pessimistic than optimistic, but they're conscious of it and they want to work on it. What are some ways that we could really work on that at a deeper level, because I feel like, you know, positive affirmations are becoming more popular and, you know, things like positive visualizations are, are becoming more popular as well. But I feel like in order to make a change, like you really have to go deep 
And yeah. it also takes consistency. For a lot of people, they don't know where to start. So what would you recommend for somebody who really wants to work on this? Well, so the things that you mentioned are really great, but I believe that you meet people where they are, right? And so some people honestly are at a space in their life where they cannot be positive and cannot affirm and cannot visualize because they just can't see past whatever it is, right? That they're going through or that they've been through or trauma or all of those things, all of these things that we have as human beings that that we often allow to stop us from being in a better space. And so I guess the place it starts is finding something that you can appreciate, even if it is that I appreciate that this chair is comfortable or I appreciate that my feet are on the ground and actually going through your days consistently, whenever you notice yourself sort of falling into that negative pattern and finding one, two, three things that you appreciate. I think that's a great recommendation. And I think that, you know, appreciating the small things is important. I think oftentimes people focus on like, you know, big goals and aspirations, which is wonderful. I think having the daily practice of, acknowledging the blessings that we have. And again, oftentimes it really is the smallest things that that make us the happiest. So um, I think that's a great recommendation. Well, and sometimes it's the only thing someone can find. Like there are people that, and I work with people sometimes where what they've got is, you know what, I breathed and air came into my lungs this morning and that's what they can appreciate. And so it's okay if that's where you are, it's okay to be there. That's where you are and work with that. And not everyone can say that, right? So I think just being aware of that and being grateful for that alone, I think is tremendous. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Now, let's say there is someone close to you who is in that space and it is starting to affect your energy and frequency. What are things that you can do to protect that energy? Okay. Well, so first of all, someone can only affect your energy if you allow it. And so simple things that you can do would be to visualize that person surrounded in like white light of love, right? Or a string going from your heart and surrounding them in love or something like that. And then seeing the cords that tie you together and visualizing cutting that cord so that your energy isn't connected to them. I also tell people like, if you work with somebody really negative, you can have a piece of black tourmaline on your desk, which is a really good crystal to repel negativity, or you can even tape it to the bottom of their chair. Just don't let them catch you. You I love that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have at my home, my entire home is surrounded by smoky quartz. I just went up to, we have one of the biggest bead stores in the world near me. Uh, it's called Shipwreck Beads. And I went up there and just got a bunch of smoky quartz chips like you would get on a necklace. So really cheap. And they are, they surround my house and they surround my property. And that smoky quartz keeps everything that comes into my house. It changes any negative energy into positive energy. You can also do energy practices when you're away from that person to raise your vibration and that type of thing as well. You can sit and breathe. You can, like I say, visualize them surrounded with light. You can visualize yourself surrounded with light. You can ring a singing bowl and sit there with it. You can use indigenous practices such as burning Palo Santo or sweet grass or things like that to help raise your energy as well. And I like that you mentioned that 
it's only if you allow their energy to affect you, right? Because I think a lot of times we kind of fall victim to that mindset of like, I was around this person, they had bad energy. This is why this and this happened. But Mm -hmm. you're giving people actionable tips on things that they can do to kind of cut that energy from theirs. Yep. Yep. And, and that's it. You don't have to, you can have love and compassion for someone else's negative spiral, right? Because that's usually what's happening is they, it started where they had one or two negative things and then negativity gathers more negativity because like attracts like, and they just kind of spiraled and they're in a negative spiral and you can have love and compassion for that. And you can be kind to that person and you can be in their space and still not take that on yourself. Yeah. That's really, really great wisdom because, um, you know, I think we all need to remind ourselves that. And, uh, you know, a lot of us are surrounded by different types of people every single day. And, you know, somebody might be in a great mood one day and not the other. So I think it really comes back to us and, you know, being in control of yourself and doing the things that you could do to, uh, to stay consistent. Yeah. And there is one other practice that I recommend to people who are empaths. I am an extreme empath. I go to the store and I feel everybody if I'm not careful. I like when I drive, I live halfway between Seattle and Portland and kind of a little rural community. And if I drive into either city and I haven't done this, I struggle because I feel everyone else's emotions and physical pains and all of those things, which really helps me in my healing and psychic work. Right. But not when I'm trying to shop for groceries. <laughs> so I actually teach this to a lot of my students and it's just a very simple visualization and it's going to immediately label me as from as being from the 80s. So I will apologize for that. You visualize two volume switches in your head, whatever that looks like to you, volume switches. And you label one me and you label the other one, everyone else. You turn yours all the way up, you turn theirs all the way down and you do this whenever you're going to be around the people who affect you negatively. The other thing that you can do is you can just create a volume switch for that one person and label it theirs and turn it down too. That sounds like a great visualization. And I think that because you're focusing on just two objects, it makes it a little bit more practical for somebody who maybe hasn't practiced visualizations before. For sure. And it's something that I know when I first started doing it, I had to do it like several times a day, right? If I would start to feel kind of like it, for me, it would come across as anxiety for many years. I thought I had anxiety until I started living in a house at the top of a hill away from people. And I realized, oh, wait, I'm here by myself and I feel fine. (laughs) But when I go down the hill, I don't. So it's, and that's when I started to connect that. But when it expresses as anxiety like that, I can't even remember where I was going with that. Oh, that it's that as soon as you start to feel like that little creeping of anxiety, you may need to revisualize for a while. Now I do mine first thing in the morning. And like I say, if I'm getting on a plane or <laughs> going into the city or, or something like that. Yeah, that's a great tip. I'm going to try that tomorrow. Let's see how it goes. Cool. Good luck. Thank you so much. Now, um, you know, energy is becoming an area focus now for people who, like you mentioned growing up, you know, you were different and you were interested in all these things that maybe were not accepted mainstream, you know, now the conversation of energy and energy medicine is becoming more prevalent, which I think is wonderful. And if you have access to an energy healer to work with, that's obviously ideal. But for those who might not, or those who are just dipping their toe in the water with this, what are some energy practices aside from what we just spoke about? that people could practice on themselves in terms of energy healing for either 
boosting their own energy or um, maybe attracting something that they want? How could we work with our own energy to live the life of our dreams? Sure. So the first thing that I would suggest is get out in nature as much as you can hug a tree, sit on the grass, put your feet, bare feet on the ground and, and feel the energy of the earth, go places that are beautiful and that inspire awe. Or, and if you live in the middle of a city and you, you can't go to like the Grand Canyon, right? Just go to a city park or someplace where there's a little, even like a, a pea patch, the gardens, you know, things like that. There are all of these places that you can go, go and connect with nature. Bring nature into your home, have house plants, rocks, things that you pick up on the beach that you like, surround yourself with things that make you feel good, that you find beautiful, that you find interesting, but surround yourself that with things that make you feel good. So that's where you start. And then sound is incredibly effective as something that raises your energy. For people, one of the things that's really easy, everybody, almost everybody has a smartphone now, right? And there's a smartphone app that you can go find that's just called Solfeggio. It's S-O-L-F-E-G-G-I-O. And it has sound frequencies that raise your vibration. It has seven sound frequencies and you can listen to them based on what's going on in your life. You can hum and hum a song that makes you feel good. You can do walking meditations. If you're not somebody who can sit pretzeled in the lotus position and clear your mind, which would be me, by the way, I'm one of those people. You can still do a walking meditation or a living meditation. And what I call living meditation is where essentially you focus on whatever task you're doing. And when thoughts come in, you return your focus to that task. So say you're doing the dishes. Your focus then is on the smell and the feel of the soap bubbles and the warmth of the water and the way the dishes feel and the way that everything looks. And so if your mind wanders and you start to think about driving carpool tomorrow, right? Or something like that, you just gently bring your attention back to what you're doing. And you can do that with any activity in your life. And even though these don't sound like energy healing practices, they absolutely are. Filling your space with sounds and smells and sights that you love. Decluttering, you know, learning to say no. No is a very, very important tool. And also, so is yes, learning to say yes to the things that that come your way that can enrich you or help you grow. So all of those things are really good places to start. And I like that the one that you mentioned uses all of your senses, because I think that's a really powerful tool as well. Mm -hmm. Especially if you are someone who struggles with anxiety. I think just thinking of something that you can smell, something that you can touch, something that you can see, something that you can hear is really powerful. Yeah, for sure. And then if you feel like you need more energy healing stuff, you can go on social media and you can find like energy healing share groups, Reiki share groups. Um, I'm a Reiki practitioner and I teach Reiki. And so for instance, I have a Reiki share group that anybody can join. And when I travel, I send people Reiki. I um, like, I send it from like Sedona or Mount Shasta. These are the beach places that have this really high, amazing energy. I live in Scottsdale. So Sedona is kind of in my backyard. <laughs> oh, we're going to be there in early October, late September, early October. I go about twice a year. Love it's it. It's amazing. Love it yeah. there. 
And I'm sure that you, like, because I, I mean, we feel it as well, obviously, the energy vortexes, but I'm sure that you really feel the energy vortexes with your background, right? I do. And I actually, the very first time I went to Sedona, I actually had my own personal healing there. So yeah, it was pretty incredible. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's a special place. Yes. Now sure. you mentioned Reiki for those who don't know what Reiki is. If you can just explain it a little bit, that would be wonderful. Sure. So Reiki is actually um, a Japanese practice that started in Japan and it spread from Japan to the West. And it is basically a form of either hands-on or distance energy healing, where you just send universal energy using Reiki. The Reiki itself is universal energy, but Reiki is a series of practices that allows you to channel that energy and attunes you to channel that energy. And so it's, it's simply somebody who's a Reiki practitioner uses the Reiki practices to channel energy either in person by putting their hands on someone or across time and space to a person who has requested it to send universal energy to help hopefully rebalance their energy. And is there any type of Reiki that we could practice on ourselves or do you recommend that at least initially we, we practice Reiki with a practitioner? So you can put hands on yourself and just intend to receive universal energy, but for somebody to actually practice Reiki and channel it, they, they need to be attuned. Basically what a, a Reiki attunement is the way that I look at it is, is that we come into our bodies with a set of filters in place so that we can fully have a human experience. And a Reiki attunement just sort of lifts one or two of those filters so that you're a pure channel for that energy. That makes total sense. I know I've been meaning to try Reiki. It's one of the few things that I haven't tried yet. But oh, I uh, love Reiki. I look forward to trying it in the future. I mean, I've heard some really, really great stories from people who have tried it and had like miraculous benefits from it. Yeah, it's amazing for sure. I can tell you with um, my husband had when I was first a brand new Reiki practitioner, he had this, basically it was tennis elbow. He had tenonitis in his elbow and he'd had it for a long, long time. And every night we would sit and he would watch football and I would just sit next to him and channel Reiki to his arm and it went away. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. Well, in addition to being a Reiki practitioner, another incredible gift that you have is the gift of psychic ability, and uh, you're a medium as well. And mm. something that I hear quite often from people who maybe lost someone that was really near and dear to them is that they still feel that person with them, or some like odd thing might happen, like the lights flickering, or feeling like a warm touch on their back when no one is there, and just all these signs that the person is still with them. So what's your take on that? Like, what are some signs that people might be seeing from, you know, somebody that might have passed or so, some ways that people could communicate with those that have passed? Yeah. So the things that you mentioned, so for a lot of people, basically they do try to communicate with us all the time. And I think what we do is we write it off as wishful thinking, because when we lose someone and we're grieving, we want so badly to believe that they're with us, that when they're with us, we don't believe it because we think it's what we want. I mean, I've even had that. So I'm a medium. When my father died, he was, I, he, we were in hospice with him and my husband and I, and my mom and my sister were there. And maybe my, probably, I think my nephew was there as well anyway. And 
I actually signaled to my husband, I felt them come for him. And I signaled to my husband that this was going to be his last breath. And then I felt him go with the beings that had come for him. And it was indeed his last breath. And so he he had lung cancer and he was diagnosed on January 10th and dead by February 1st. So it was very fast. And so I was grieving deeply. And we were driving home or back to the hotel, just very numb. And I kept hearing my dad's voice in my head and he was describing all of these things to me. And we got into the hotel room and he kept talking and talking and talking. And I just was like, oh, that's just wishful thinking. And all of a sudden my hair got yanked and I heard, God damn it, Karen Lynn, listen to me. It was my dad. Oh my God. And then later I didn't tell my friend's who were mediums about it, but I had other friends who confirmed that that was him. So we all fall prey to that, right? That wishful, I think it's got to be wishful thinking. This can't be real. And if we believe that we block them, even though they're going to try. And so dreams are really one of the best ways for them to communicate with us when we sleep. If you have these vivid dreams about them and they seem almost hyper real, that is a visit. It is not a dream. It's the easiest way for them to get through. But then also things like butterflies or birds, or you can even ask for a specific sign. You can say, if you could send me a dragonfly or whatever was meaningful for you, um, coins. I see coins a lot. I had a, a friend whose partner had died and it was a friend I hadn't seen in many, many years. And I started, he started coming to me in dreams and I started finding weird stuff around my house that was not mine. I mean, so this is going to sound funny because I have a lot of crystals, but I found a crystal that was laying in the middle of the living room. It was not one of my crystals. I can tell you that I found this charm that was not mine. I'd never seen it before one day laying in the middle of the living room. There was one other thing I can't remember. It's been a while, but so I contacted her and I said, I said, I don't know if you're open to this, but somebody is trying to reach out to you who has passed through me. And that's all I said. And she came back and she said, yes, I'm open. And we went up and, and, and talked and it turned out she had been receiving and finding things that weren't hers around the house as well. Wow. And I think it's one of those things that once you're open to receiving them and you see the signs, you can't unsee them. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. And there's a really interesting book that I started reading that I'm sure you're familiar with. It's called Signs, the Secret Language of the Universe by Laura Mm -hmm. Lynn Jackson. Mm -hmm. And some of the stories there are just unbelievable. Like it's just, it's really fascinating. And I think it's so nice for us to know that there, there is another side and they are able to communicate with us. Yeah. And they are with you. They, they are with you. Anytime you think of them, they are with you. Um, I have kind of a funny story about a friend of mine who just passed. His name was Rob and he had been ill for most of his life and he finally died back. Actually, he died on 2-22-22, which was a very Rob thing. And Rob (laughs) always teased me and he had a really great sense of humor about things. And I was kind of feeling sad one day and I was like, you know, Rob, I just really like to hear from you. And I went out and my car in the carport was covered in bird crap, like so much bird crap, like more bird crap than a car had to have on it. And so took it through the car wash and it was just my car, not my husband's. Took it through the car wash, came home, kind of thought, well, no, that's just birds. Next day, same thing. My car was covered with bird crap. Husband's was fine. Took it through the car wash, moved it out front of the house. 
came out of the house. So the car was now in a different spot. My came out of the house the next day. My car was again, covered with bird crap and not my husband's. And so finally I took it through the car wash. I came home and I said, Rob, if you are doing this, that's not what I was asking. And I'm getting mad Mm -hmm. and it never happened again. Wow. That is wild. So, you know, signs can be all sorts of things. I mean, everything is a sign, right? I mean, if you really think about it, it's either a divine sign or, you know, it could be somebody who, who may be passed, but knowing what you know, because of course, I mean, your energy and your ability to see things is beyond what most people can when it comes to people who have passed. Does it change the way that you view the concept of death? Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Because the soul lives forever, right? I mean, yeah. Yeah, I'm not afraid to die. I believe that we come back. Um, I mean, I don't want to die because I've got a lot to do, but I'm not afraid of it. I'm actually curious about it. I believe when it's my time, I will greet it joyfully. I've told my family that when I pass, what I want is a party with a big sign that says, congratulations, you did it. And so, and I know a lot of people who work similarly to me feel the same way because we come back, we reincarnate, we go through circles of reincarnation and we live on because energy can neither be destroyed nor created. It's just changing forms, which is actually a law of physics. One of the laws of thermodynamics, I think. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's very, very powerful what you just shared. And I think that one of the biggest fears that almost everyone has is death because I mean, it's unknown and people assume like if somebody maybe passes young or they didn't necessarily accomplish all the things that we maybe thought that they still had left to do. But, you know, through understanding this lens, I guess life really is just about fulfilling your purpose and for everyone that's at a different age. But yeah. just because you maybe leave your physical body, it doesn't mean that you're still not around or existent. Right. We, that life still has purpose. And the biggest thing is that fear of death is what drives us to do all of the really cruddy things we do to each other. It's all, all stems from that fear of death and that fear of our own mortality. And I wish my fondest wish is that people could see how infinite they truly are and that they do go on and their consciousness goes on and that, that they can come back if they choose. And that this thing that we call life is an adventure that we choose to come into because our souls love it. Just like some people like to go to horror movies, not me. I don't like them, but <laughs> I know a lot of people do. Right. So just, we choose it because we love it. But do we choose the physical form that we come into or that's chosen mm-hmm. for us? Cause I know that yeah. you just mentioned that when you're on the other side, it's your choice, whether you want to come back. We choose everything. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, we choose everything that we we have free choice, of course, right in our bodies, but we choose the circumstances, we choose our families, we choose where and when we choose any things that we might be born with, whether it's being on the spectrum or being born into a wealthy family, we choose all of those circumstances to create basically a condition for us to grow and expand as souls and to have experiences as souls. And then we 
then get to decide as conscious humans, we get to decide what we do with that. We get to decide how we want to meet those challenges and how, so say for instance, we chose to be born into an abusive family. Well, why would anybody choose that? Well, there's, there can be a lot of reasons why somebody might choose that because at some point they become an advocate for abused children and they make a difference in in their lives. They break a cycle of abuse. They become a counselor, things like that. And so, but we get to decide if we're we choose to be born, for instance, into an abusive situation, whether we let that trauma define us throughout our lives in a negative way, or whether we yet let that trauma define us and propel us forward in a positive way. We get to choose those things. That's so interesting. But my question for you then is that if somebody maybe is going through life and they feel stuck or they feel confused, or they feel like maybe they're not living the life that is the life of their dreams, if it's the life that they chose, how could we then change the way that we view our current circumstances? Is it something that we choose at a higher level? And then once we start to live our human experience, we forget that this was our choice and we're, we're given what we need to, to elevate, to go to that next level. We forget that it was our choice because otherwise we wouldn't be in the experience. We'd be like, oh, well, this is just, this isn't real. This is like being on the holodeck, which it is, but we've forgotten that we're on the holodeck. But so no, we get to, we choose consciously in our daily day-to-day life, how we deal with that and the, and how we move forward with it. And I had a thought and it flew out of my mind. I'm sorry. Hopefully it'll come back because it was super important. Yeah, I'm going to have to just see if it comes back to me. I do this sometimes where it goes quickly. (laughs) That's okay. (laughs) And I think recognizing that, because I had never heard of that like perspective before. And I actually really like that because then I think it takes us, we're allowed to kind of zoom out on ourselves and on our lives and on our experiences. And instead of saying, why me? Why am I in this abusive family or whatever the case may be, looking at it as an opportunity to grow and learn and elevate. It doesn't happen for it to you. It happens for you. Yes. I always say that me too. nothing happens to me. It's happening for me, whether it's good or bad. Absolutely. I, I, I believe that it, it doesn't happen to us. I mean, it does, right. Mm-hmm. But it happens for us. And if we can shift that perspective and say, what can I do with these circumstances that have been created? How can I be the highest expression of myself within these circumstances? then that's a really good start. Absolutely. I think perspective is everything. And when I look back at things in my life that happened that I questioned in the moment, I look back at how much I grew and learned and I am thankful for all those experiences. Yeah. And the other thing is, so I can tell you from my own personal experience that for many, many years, I really thought I was bad at life, bad at it. And I probably was. I was married three times. I kept the last one. He's still around. Um, <laughs> and so, you fixed his elbow too. <laughs> and I fixed his elbow. And, and, but I kind of, people who are empaths often tend to be kind of a little bit of a physical wreck because we take on everybody else's things. But there was a point in my life when I was going through a divorce and I was just, I was broke and I hated my job and, and all of these things. And I, I, kind of realized that I was super bad at life. And so I sat down and I said, okay, universe, I'm really bad at life. I'm going to let you drive for a bit. And 
just use me in any way that you need to, to express what I came here to do. And I really surrendered and I meant it. I really, really meant it. And everything changed. Everything changed in a, just an amazing way. And what I realized is that I was trying all of these affirmations and visualizations for these very specific things that I need this kind of job and I want this kind of relationship and I want to live in this kind of house. And I was actually, by having those very specific visions and goals, I was limiting what the universe wanted me to be. I was thinking inside of this very small human box. And so the moment I surrendered and said, okay, I'm bad at this, you go. Things took off for me in such amazing, amazing ways. Well, I was just saying, I think that sometimes we growing up, we're conditioned to think, or we're told what we should want out of life. Mm -hmm. And then Uh we think like, okay, I'm going to visualize these things that I think I thought I always wanted. And it's something that your soul might actually not even want. So by surrendering and just letting the universe guide you, I think that's when you can really reach your soul's purpose. Absolutely. But what I always tell people is don't say it if you don't mean it, because things are going to change. <laughs> so <laughs> How can somebody who maybe is a bit of a control freak, right? And I'm not necessarily talking about myself. I'm just saying that one of the things that I personally struggle with, because I'm at a point where I, I do understand and I do believe that like, at the end of the day, we don't control anything, right? I mean, mm-hmm. we have to get up, we have to, you know, do the things that we need to do and, and act as though we are in control, because our actions do matter. But like big picture wise, like, we're not in control, ultimately, but surrendering is hard. Like if you're not used to, uh, you know, just letting it be and, and seeing what happens, it, it's hard to get yourself to that point where you really just surrender and, and trust. Absolutely. Sometimes you have to have your back against the wall, right? So when I did it, my back was against the wall and I was just like, okay. But I do think that you can, through meditative practices, through journaling, through self-reflection, things like that, start to examine your conditioning and why, when you think, I want this and I want this now, think, why do I want this? And then look to instead of the thing, okay, so let's be really concrete about it. So tell me something when you say that you're a control freak, if you're comfortable doing so, tell me something that you would be visualizing because you want it. So I'm very driven with my businesses because, you know, I have a few companies that are very purpose-driven. So of course, part of the goal is to build a successful business, but more so it's about the purpose, right? I mean, we, one of my businesses is a healthy bottled iced tea brand and Mm -hmm. Our products are clean and functional. They have all these great benefits and we have customers who depend on our product. So with like supply chain disruptions over the last year and a lot of challenges that have come up, obviously that's been a big stressor and not really necessarily always knowing the right thing to do when a lot of these factors are out of my control. Sure. So, so what do you do then when you have that that I need to control and I need this business to grow. I guess what I'm what I'm asking you is why, what feeling is it that you're seeking by having your business flow easily, smoothly, and grow in a way that can expand your purpose into the world? What is it that you would feel inside that you're seeking to feel inside? I think I just, I genuinely feel that it's my purpose and I feel very connected with my business. I don't even feel that it's a business sometimes, I feel like it really is an extension of just who I am. And so it really is that goal of building a brand that 
helps people that also is a successful company at the same time while always prioritizing consumer health when a lot of companies necessarily don't. And a big goal of mine has always been to build a legacy for myself. So to build something that lives well past even I myself will, right? So building something that that lasts, that's known, and that has legacy. So that's a lot. It's a lot to unpack, right? So what if instead of visualizing all of these little things, I visualize a legacy for myself, I visualize being very purposeful, I visualize being successful in my business and all of those things that you just listed for me, which are all incredibly important things to you. And I hear that and I'm not saying that you shouldn't want those things, but what if instead you simply visualize yourself as if you had already achieved that feeling how you would feel as if you had already achieved it. Yeah. That's, that's the goal. I think that, you know, that's what you do. That's how you let go of control because you're trying to move all these little boxes, right? You're trying Mm -hmm. to move all of these little, put all these little pegs in place. And those are all of the control things. So in your visualizations, now I'm not saying in your day-to-day life that you should throw up your hands and be like, oh, well, whatever happens, happens. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that in your visualizations and your affirmations and your meditations, they are geared towards the end result as if you have already achieved it. I feel proud of my business. I am fulfilling my life's purpose. I feel satisfied and connected. I feel, and so visualize those things versus, versus all of the little logistics, because by visualizing the little pieces of that, you could be limiting something. It's like trying to like, I'll give you a really simple, and this is very, very simple compared to what you just told me. So I, I want to acknowledge that. And so it's not a one for one, right? But for instance, I have people all the time who tell me, well, I really, really have, I struggle with prosperity. And what I really want is a job that pays well. And so we talk about that and I say, okay, well, that's great. So do I. And so tell me why you want that. And they kind of go through the this same laundry list, right? Or their own version of a laundry list of things. And I say, so basically what you're saying is you want financial security, you want to feel fulfilled of your purpose, and you want to just feel free and happy. And they're like, well, yeah, that's exactly what I want to feel. And so then I say, well, so what if free and happy and purpose-driven doesn't have anything to do with with the job that you have, maybe you're limiting that coming to you from a totally different thing, from a totally different area, from out of left field, because you're looking at it only through your work. Does that make sense? Totally. And I agree with you. I think oftentimes, you know, we as humans do limit our possibilities or we have mm-hmm. a specific goal and we we have one path in mind to get there. When in reality, there might be multiple paths to get there or, you know, the desired outcome might come maybe not through the front door, but the side door, the back door in a different package than maybe we anticipated, but nonetheless, still a, still a blessing. Yep. And I know that I've had teachers who have said to me before, how it happens is really none of your business. You just, just focus on what you choose and then let the universe do what it's supposed to. I love it. And that's just letting go of that control. (laughs) Yep. Exactly. Surrendering. Surrendering. I need to work on it. (laughs) 
We're going to have to do some coaching sessions. (laughs) You'll get it when you get it right. People always say things to me like, well, how do I stop doing that? Or I shouldn't be doing that. And, and I drive, I drive my, my clients and students nuts because my answer is when they say, how do I stop doing that? I say, by stopping doing that. And which seems really non-responsive, but it's not, it's an incredibly profound answer if you start to think about it. And then when they say, well, I shouldn't be doing this, or I should be doing this, I say, well, you know how you, why you should be doing it. And they say, no, why? And I say, because you are, if you shouldn't be doing it, you wouldn't be. Hmm. Wow. And again, it sounds super simple, right? And almost like snarky, but it's not. Yeah. I mean, it's very true. We just, I think we overcomplicate things in general. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and because we, just, we want to control everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's the world we live in. But and well, I, we're I think conditioned. That, yes. Yeah. And it also goes back to having faith. Mm-hmm. Right. That there's something greater than us. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, and my conditioning really blocked my my faith for many years. I used to, in the early stages of my writing career, when I really started to write about kind of spiritual things, I would say all the time that I thought that faith was the central struggle of my life. And what I realized is it was because I was conditioned to believe that faith was only something religious, that faith was Christianity because I grew up in the Christian church. And because I didn't have faith in Christian tenets and principles, then I must not have faith. And what I've come to realize is that I have a heck of a lot of faith. I believe I talk to dead people. I (laughs) I can send energy through my hands into other people's bodies. Mm -hmm. I mean, I clearly have faith, right? Yeah. So it's all, we have to examine our conditioning surrounding all of these things. Gently, we start to question the things that we believe and the judgments we have about ourselves and the world around us. And that can help to undo that. And one of the authors that I, I recommend is Byron Katie. Mm -hmm. Um, because she teaches you how to do that with a very simple process of inquiry around things that you judge and your judgments. And it really can open up and uncover your conditioning and biases and that type of thing. Yeah. And I think faith looks different for everybody, whether someone is a little bit more religious or has a more spiritual energetic approach. I, I think, again, like you said, it's all in the same. It's just the way that you connect. Yep. Yep. And we are so, we don't even know how conditioned we are as human beings. Everything we do, every reaction we have is conditioned because we're conditioned to believe things about everything, right? Mm -hmm. That business has to be run a certain way, that faith looks a certain way, that gender is a certain thing, right? All of those things, that's all conditioning. That's all social conditioning, religious conditioning that we have had from even before we were born. And how do we unpack that? <laughs> um, by questioning everything. Yeah. And, and that's kind of what I do is I spend a lot of time when I find myself when something bothers me. So if I my I have a really simple barometer, if I feel uncomfortable in any way, whether it's pain, whether it's emotional pain, whether I just kind of feel squeaky, if I feel uncomfortable surrounding anything, I start to look at what's causing that discomfort and start to examine my conditioning surrounding those things. And that's how I unpack it. And then I use this process of inquiry that I mentioned with, with Byron Katie, she calls it the work. You can find the questions online at thework.com, I believe. And it is such a powerful tool for unpacking and understanding how conditioned we really are. Hmm. 
I really like that because I think it makes us all more tolerant of each other. Because as we've seen within the past few years, if someone has a certain political belief or whatever the case may be, it makes us uncomfortable. And then we're not able to tolerate the other person as opposed to kind of, you know, looking at our thoughts and questioning them and being more understanding of others and their conditioning. Yeah, we're all caught up in our own story. Mm -hmm. So when something happens, even if you and I see the exact same event, we have our own story about it. We, we both have our own story about it. And everybody who's involved in something has their own story. And we tell ourselves stories about ourselves. We tell ourselves stories about our families, about our country, about our neighbors, about everyone. We tell, we create stories rather than simply being in the moment and, and observing and allowing and being kind of sensory focused, we instead, our minds start to go, right? They run the little mazes and we tell ourselves all of these stories. And that's really where the pain of living comes in is in our stories. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the times it's like that confirmation bias. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Now I know we touched a little bit on dreams. Like you said, if some, a loved one who had passed comes up in our dreams, not to ignore that they're actually are there and telling us something, but what about just dreams in general? Because I feel like I'm, I do have very vivid dreams almost every night. And sometimes it'll be a lot of the times, actually it's, it'll be like a friend from middle school or high school who I hadn't spoken to. It's not like they popped up on my social media, but it'll just be like recurrent themes. So I'm just curious if there are aspects of our dreams that we should be paying attention to. Sure. We should pay attention to any dream where you wake up the next morning and it's either been super vivid or you think, holy crap, what did I eat before I went to sleep last night? <laughs> so we dream differently and we have different types of dreams. So we have the visitation dreams, which I mentioned. We have dreams that are simply our brain processing, right? Unpacking and moving things around while we sleep. Most of those we don't remember. The dreams we remember are often symbolic and they are our subconscious or higher selves trying to provide us with information. And I recommend that when you have those dreams, that you write them down as soon as you wake up, because they, you know how ephemeral they are. They just, they're there and then they're gone, right? You can't remember. Yeah. And so write them down and then get yourself a good dream dictionary I wrote a book about dream interpretation. I think it's just called the dream interpretation handbook that actually has a, I forget the names of my books, <laughs> but it has a <laughs> process that walks you through you, that it walks you through a process of evaluating and interpreting a dream and all of the things that you should look at and examine. And it's everything, everything in a dream that's symbolic is important. Colors, numbers, people, events, the setting, all of those things. That's super interesting. And I know that dreams typically, I know the next morning we, we often forget them in some dreams, you know, I think we acknowledge as just being something that maybe was in our subconscious, but there are those that stay with us longer. I always find myself Googling, like, what does it mean when this is in your dream or when that's in your dream? So I think it's definitely important to be analytical with our dreams sometimes. Yeah. And the best online free dream dictionary is hands down as dreammoods.com. Dream they have everything. And they're, they're usually pretty accurate. But what I tell people with dreams is what I find is the first thing I always ask before you go actually looking up meanings, interpreting is just write, jot down really quickly what you think it means, because often what you think it means is exactly right. Like we have that knowledge within us. And sometimes the dream can trigger that. Because I think the dreams usually give us some sort of feeling, right? Like when you wake up in the morning after a certain mm -hmm. dream, 
it gives you that feeling. So you kind of already intuitively know what mm-hmm. it's trying to tell you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I think so. I mean, some of them look still, there are some I wake up and I think, holy crap, I have no idea what that was about. And then I will interpret my own dreams, right? And I interpret other people's dreams for them. But I find that interpreting your own dreams is much more powerful and usually much more accurate than having someone else interpret it for you because symbols can mean several things, not just one thing. And it can be cultural. It can be even family related. It can be national. It can be religious related. So we all have different symbols for different things, even though there's this universal symbolism. And so I I just think that if you look it up, you'll get closer to a meaning than having somebody else do it. Very, very interesting. I definitely am going to check out that website as well, because uh, I find myself bouncing around from all different types. Now, something I definitely want to ask, I want to be mindful of your time, I could speak with you all day. But how do we recognize if we're being guided on a certain path? I think a lot of times we have a gut feeling, we have this intuitive feeling that we're supposed to do something, or we're supposed to go somewhere or, um, you know, we're supposed to pursue something that maybe others might not understand. But how do we really know if we're being guided towards something or if we're maybe following something for the wrong reason? Well, check your barometer, right? Your feelings are your your initial feeling, not mm. the feeling that you have after you think about it for a while. Your initial gut feeling that if it, if it feels, huh, then it's guidance and it's it's where you should go. And if it feels constricting or tight or uncomfortable or itchy or whatever, any of those kind of uncomfortable feelings are right, then, then maybe you want to sit with it a lot, little longer. But I do find that when you set the intention for guidance, which you can do simply by saying, I give thanks for the guidance that I receive as an affirmation or something along those lines, right? And you set that intention for guidance that, and then just sit in awareness or move through your day in awareness, the path just opens up for you. Opportunities come to you. And what I tell people is say yes to any reasonable opportunity. You can always change your mind later. I like that. And I think that it's important to have more of a yes mentality, obviously within reason. But I think oftentimes people are super, super closed off to things that maybe doesn't fit along the path that, you know, they always anticipated themselves to have. But I think it is important to approach life, you know, being, being a little bit more open-minded and understanding that maybe something that we didn't expect to like or to want to pursue might just be what we need. Yeah. I mean, I was going to be a music teacher and that didn't feel right to me. And even back then when I was, you know, 22 years old, I thought, okay, well this, the second I knew it didn't feel right. I didn't know what the heck I was going to do, but I use music now because I do sound healing. And it's just a different avenue, but it's still in your life. It's still, it's absolutely still in my life. And my, my son is a musician, was a music major in college. And wow. I mean, and I taught flute lessons for a while. And so just, we, we get so stuck on this thing. Like we think we have to, to be successful and I'm putting air quotes around successful, <laughs> just to be successful. We think we have to do certain things and redefine what success is and then be open and be willing to say yes. I have never heard somebody say things like, boy, I really wish I hadn't traveled so much in my life. And it goes back to what you were saying with why do you want the success? What's that feeling? And oftentimes, not for everyone, but many times it is for the freedom. 
Yeah, exactly. And freedom, security, all of those things, 100%. So if we can just lose our, our conditioned responses of what we think it should look like and be willing to say yes to what it could look like, I I think that your life expands by leaps, leaps and bounds. Wow. Now I know you work with crystals a lot and we didn't get into them, but if there's one general crystal that you think most people should have, what would that one be? Clear quartz. Yeah. Yeah. It's a master healer. It can sit in for any crystal and you can program intention into it simply by holding it in your hands and visualizing the intention that you have flowing Mm -hmm. down from you out through your heart, through your arms and into the crystal. And just finding one that energetically speaks to you. Yeah. That's what I tell people. Walk into a crystal shop, close your eyes and walk in the direction that you're pulled, close your eyes and keep going until you get to a place where something you're drawn to is there. It's again, it's, it's just saying yes to the universe. The universe is leaving you breadcrumbs, Mm -hmm. but often we ignore them because we're so busy trying to do the things that we think we're supposed to be doing, or we think we're supposed to want. Right. Absolutely. I love that. Now, one question we love to ask all of our guests is if you could have tea with anyone dead or alive, who would it be and why? If I could have tea with anyone dead or alive. Mm-hmm. Wow. I mean, my dad, but I, I, I kind of see him a lot. So I actually think that I would love to sit down and talk with one of the ascended masters, Jesus or Buddha or Muhammad or any of the, because I really would love to understand what that experience was like walking the earth with that high of a vibration. Yeah, that would be fascinating. Wouldn't it? Oh, wow. I know it would be very, very fascinating. But in the meantime, you know, we'll have to have tea together. Sounds good. Now for anyone out there listening to this that wants to learn more about your work, potentially get in touch with you and work with you, where are the best places to reach you at? So I have a website, author Karen Frazier, F-R-A-Z-I-E-R.com. And that has all of my books. It has any classes that I'm teaching. I have a blog. I actually do some channeling and the channeling is on my blog. You can also follow me on Facebook, author Karen Frazier, or on Instagram at author K Fraz, K-F-R-A-Z. Yeah. And those are kind of the, the best places to, to catch up with. Well, I commend you on all the amazing work you're doing. This was a really, really great conversation. We probably could have spoken for many more hours and I would love to have you back on so we could do a deep dive into crystals or some of the other topics that we, uh, we spoke about today, because there's definitely a lot more to unpack. Anytime. Awesome. Well, thanks Thank again. Thank you so much, Karen. Yeah. Thanks guys. Thanks for joining us on our episode with Karen Frazier. Wow. That was such a great conversation. We could have spoken with her all day. Karen shared so much powerful insight with us and reminded us that we are being given signs every day. It's just up to us to be observant of them and uncover the deeper meaning behind them. As always, if you have any questions, please email us at podcast at drinkdowntoearth.com or get in touch with us on our Instagram at drinkdte. In the meantime, stay healthy and stay hydrated. Cheers. Now it's time for you to go out there and do at least one small thing to better your health today. Always choose to make your life a healthier, happier, and a more down-to-earth place. Until next time. Cheers to good health.